Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty T. Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. On this Friday night, rare Friday night broadcast for me or BTR News, but it's March the 1st in the year that they call 2019, and we have a special guest, a family member of the Black Talk Radio Network, a family of broadcasters, podcasters, and and social media um, connections being made through this network. So tonight we do have a topic. We're going to continue our conversation on BTR News about what they're calling reparations. I mean, there are so many questions and and they lead to questions and really no answers. And just to give you an idea of my frame of mind on this particular topic of what if you received a million dollar reparations check, what would you do with it? And that's a that's a question that many people are asking, and the media is framing it as a reparations check. Do you know when the media there's been a, a poll uh, done because you had these different polls? They have different names, and people pay them to do telephone calls and and maybe you know send somebody into a mall and ask their opinion uh, to pick you know multiple choice answers to get their opinions on a question so they're not really getting everybody it's not everybody's opinion on that they're getting a very small sampling size when you talk about maybe 300 million uh people that they say live on this continent called North America uh primarily specifically behind the enemy lines of USA Inc okay so when they do these polls, they're getting a very, very, very small sampling size because then, um, you know, when you look at the general population and, of course, we're speaking to those who are of adult age that participate in voting, um, that is a small percentage. And so that's usually who they're calling if they're calling on the phone. They may be getting their information from um, either of the two party heads or, or excuse me, yeah, the uh, same monster with two heads but uh, the Democrats list and they collect, you know, information from you, phone numbers. They pay for what they get from Facebook and and people who sell them information on you that you shared over those type of social networks. So that's where their sample size come from for their polls. That's not a consensus on what you might, how you might have answered 
uh, the question, but the, but they're framing it as reparations solely as a check. A reparations check, I think, is what one of the corporate, uh, what we call the corporate news media uh, asked in their soundbite. And we're getting a lot of soundbites from the corporation news outlets because they're trying to control the narrative, control how people perceive the narrative, um, what is reparations? Not enough people asking that question. What are you talking about? There's some dispute, you know, among people about what is reparations? Is it a set of policies? Is it just a check, a million dollar check to black families and heads of households? So there's a whole lot of details. Again, if, if you're engaging in the people activity area of politics, then you should at least get civics 101 questions. I mean, when I was in the 70s, they used to come out, tell you how a bill is passed. Okay, that would be a good one to watch. That I, for, I forget, uh, Schoolhouse Rock or whatever. It was a little video in the 70s when I remember I was in elementary school and Schoolhouse Rock come on. They, I'm a bill and, and the bill tell you how you get passed. We ain't even close to that. If you're talking about trying to get justice for American uh, uh, slaves is what, what some people are proposing, that the victims of American slavery identify as descendants of victims of American slavery, but they're seeking justice and compensation, not just for some pre-1865 slavery that happened to an ancestor, although that's a point uh, important because that's how you establish that lineage and who qualifies, uh, um, and therefore, so these are questions, you know, it's still, there hasn't been a bill to establish the task force, to study the issue, defining what reparations is, what that would look like, and I'm talking about in Congress, H.R. 40. So that's been in there, how many times has John Conyers introduced that? Over 10 years, I think he started introducing uh, the HR 40, which is just to study the issue. And that's very important in defining what reparations is, who are the victims, who owes, because most people just thinking it's the federal government. But if we're talking a lawsuit, then you're also including a quote. I'm using their terms, how they have identified themselves, the slave states. So if any time in the constitution, it, it was known as a slave state, but more importantly, after so-called slavery ended, don't forget the exception clause of prison slavery or neo-slavery in the Thirteenth Amendment. But, but you know there there is harm that came after 1865 called Jim Crow and convict lease and neo-slavery and reparations is old for that. So that's you know that's people uh, uh, whose parents might have been in that situation you know, doing Jim Crow and what have you. And and so, you know, um, we have to establish who we're talking about and, and what we're talking about and who's deciding, which was brought up on our last show, you know, with our special guest from uh, the, the Political Action Committee for American Slaves. Uh, please check out my archives. That's the last show. Uh, I think that was, what, the 28th that I did that program. Very interesting conversation. And part of that conversation I had was if you got a million dollar check, is that million dollar check being cut from a trillion dollar check or a $30 trillion check 
that was cut by the Federal Reserve. Because again, do you understand how monet how monetary policy works? And then we're not even talking money. If we're talking about the Federal Reserve, we're talking straight up currency that comes fresh off the printing press. In the U USA Inc., the corporation that we uh, mistakenly believe is a government, uh, or more precisely, a republic, where these people up there, every last single one of them, I know you have some rebels in there and some people over the years who have tried to do do work for the people, but no, it, it's no secret that these quote-unquote representatives work most for corporations. And, and you know, that's really a, been a big issue in recent uh, election campaigns. But let's say the Federal Reserve um, cuts you, uh, cuts whoever's designated as being entitled to justice specifically for um, slavery practice against Africans by people who were identified as U.S. citizens, Americans. So if that trillion, that $30 trillion check gets cut in, let's say, your household or your head of household in case you're not married or whatnot, um, but you get the million-dollar check, let's just keep it simple, break it down, what would you do with that million-dollar check? So, you know, I just wanted to open up like that so we know we're dealing in a what if. We're dealing in a what if when you're talking about asking people, do you support a reparations payment to black people? You know, black people is too broad of a term. I use it culturally. Other people in uh, uh, other African cultures on a global political, from a po global political perspective in making intercontinental alliances with oppressed people, they have used the term black, you know. Um, so, you know, it's important to, to ask for context in the definition of what we're talking about. So black people, that can be anybody. So that's not who we're talking about are victims of, of American slaveholders. Their lineage, you know, doesn't trace back to George Washington, enslaving an uh, ancestor or or uh, Thomas Jefferson enslaving one of your ancestors or, you know, and then it just goes on and on. And then we got to bring the corporations into it. Wachovia, okay, uh, not Wachovia, but uh, Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo profited from um, American slavery. And, and, and so it, it's part of that. So, you know, again, I already mentioned the individual states. So tonight we're jumping way ahead of where this is because every four years we want this conversation comes up. This one, I think there's a lot of buzz that was generated by social media, which is a proper way of using hashtags and whatnot. So, you know, lots of people, individuals having conversations about that, black people, um, and but you know who's entitled to it is the American uh, descendants of American uh, slaves. So you know that's a good thing. But as it always do, the corporate media has tried to hijack the conversation because they got millions of eyeballs glued to that television, uh, paying them uh, for opinions and misinformation and what have you. And so you know they try to control the narrative. So you know I am acknowledging that we are playing along with that narrative but this is you know this is not we don't have a narrow view of this issue like that um but again what if 
you received a million dollars reparations check, what would you know what to do with it? And that's why Dave is the perfect guest. Now listen, as Dave tells you on Tando Radio Show, we are not financial advisors. We're just everyday we're just everyday people trying to survive behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. We read the news headlines. We try to interpret that news headlines. We help each other by having a discussion and sharing our opinion. Nobody's giving any financial advice, but we gotta get out the mindset that, oh, I gotta be Boyce Watkins. Uh, with a uh, economic degree from Syracuse, and that's why I'm on CNN. Even though you know they pretty much ban him from corporate news media, um, but you know any so-called expert just because they had degrees and stuff. No, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, uh, we can learn from the same concepts, same sources of information that they learn from. We just wasn't able to get that college degree that then the corporate media would say we were exports. We're just ordinary people uh, lit, who are literate, can read. You know, we're not totally, you know, retarded as they try to make us out to be, and we have opinions. So, you know, that's a disclaimer. Also, one more disclaimer before I bring Dave into it is uh, already you already know that he is a host on this network. So, um, but also he's a business sponsor. Um, uh, through Precious uh, Metals for Prosperity, which is uh, Prosperity Mint. And, of course, you can call David at one nine five one seven nine zero eight three three zero. That's one nine five one seven nine zero eight three three zero. It's important to disclose because Prosperity Mint helps you obtain, as they would say, real money, which is what? Gold, silver, Platinum, other precious metals. That's why they're called precious, precious metals. And so I have to get that disclaimer because you know uh, uh, we're going to be talking about what would you do with a million dollar checks? Which is you're going to take that check. You're not going to be able to take it to the corner store and cash it, and they're going to give you a million dollars. So you're probably going to put it in a bank and what have you. You're right, debate and say, hey, where's the black banks and and and, and open up an account there, but then what you going to do with it? Now it's just some digital zeros uh, on a system, in a system, in a computer uh, system, okay? Um, so then what are you going to do with it then? Is it just going to be those digital zeros representing uh, American, what they call American dollars, but they're really U.S. Federal Reserve notes, and just simply take off the U.S., it's Federal Reserve notes, which it is a private corporation that prints the money and loans the money to USA Inc. That what you're calling that corporation you call the government who would who would ideally along with the states be cutting the check with, for that reparations or, or or what have you because they, you know again find a cash. Cash can be part of the reparations, but don't let them get you to think that that's all. What about, as we talked about in the last show, uh, tax exemption on the state and federal level for uh, descendants of American slaves? Not black people, not uh, Caribbeans, not immigrants. No, you have to be able to, there has to be a criteria set for and you have to be able to have evidence, just like they did with the dolls rolls. And you can't, but you can't just pay five dollars to then be an American slave on a on a government roll. But you know, so I, I, I'm going to man. We can get deep off into this topic. So you know, 
this is I'm I'm gonna uh, read this to you and shut up because this is frame of mind. You know, just things to think about. Put on your mind if you want to call in at 704-802-5056 and have a question for us. But the main, again, topic is a question concerning any conversation concerning justice for victims who refer to themselves as American slaves. And we're not talking about black people. We are asking you to ask yourself one central question concerning what corporate media has dubbed a reparations check. We want to invite you to call in with your opinion because that is all we're doing. We're sharing opinions we're not giving financial advice. We cannot allow the media corporations to control the narratives of the social media buzz generated by ordinary descendants of American slaves using hashtags such as ADOS, um, DAS, or VOAS, which have come under fire by outlets like MSNBC to discredit the grassroots movement with false narratives and associations. Ask questions. For my Neely Fuller Jr. fans out there, the context of white supremacy, the cows fans out there, ask questions. What is reparations? And who specifically are they for when we use the R word? Who would qualify for the R word from the U.S. government and its individual co-defendant slave states? But to keep it simple and focus on the need for more financial literacy, our what if Question is, what would you do if you got a million dollar check? Some estimates that reparations would cost the US, USA Inc. trillions of dollars to settle the debt. Now, this is the last example. Think of it in these terms. Again, we're going to break it down to the individual $1 million check. What type of impact might that have on the currency? Now, I'm talking about the trillions there if the Federal Reserve wrote that, that debt. Because and then it's important to be exempt from the taxes because then you'll be paying taxes back to the Federal Reserve. So you got to have tax exemption because they might try to take taxes out your one million dollar reparations check. So, you know, what I'm saying so. But what would that do? Thirty trillion dollars flood in the monetary system because we ain't talking about just the United States purchasing power. But we're talking about globally, you know, because currencies are exchanged on global markets. And what would the value of that be? So to simplify it, what type of impact might they have on the currency as a whole is value on the global market. And if it loses less, and let's just assume it's tax-free, but it, let's say if it loses 400000 of that $1 million of purchasing power, what could you do to get the best return on the 600000 you might have left? So again, people not thinking about the details of this, so we ain't even close to, they haven't even done a study, commissioned a study yet. So, Dave, let me bring you you and um, Keith, your co-host, in on this conversation and just ask you both, you know, uh, um, without, um, what should I say, without prejudicing your mind or with my thoughts, but what are your thoughts on what you've been seeing either on social media, corporate news media, or what have you concerning ADOS or, or any kind of designation of people who say that the United States government, hopefully they're including the states and the corporations that might owe them quote unquote uh, reparations. What are your thoughts on that? But first, of course, say hello to uh, the BTR News listening audience. Man, Scotty, thank you, brother. Yes, we are family. Uh, Keith, uh, the co-host, Pastor Keith, uh, in between uh, sleep breaks is, is here uh, a, as well. 
uh, Scotty, and I appreciate it. I just want to say, Scotty, well done, well done. I mean, because you touched on so many true critical parts, and it actually sparked my overall thought process in this whole thing. And I think that the question is appropriate, and I want to stay within the question, what would, what would I do uh, if reparations were, were a part of and actually uh, I was designated to receive reparations, which definitely I think that I would definitely qualify for um, in the context that you laid out. And then also what, what do I think about what's going on in, with individuals talking about reparations in, um, you know, on social media, the mainstream media, and how that plays out. And you put, you put it together in a way that most people don't think about, the, the cross-pollination and in, in, in the actual responses and effects that those things would have if that happened, not saying it shouldn't happen, but what is the true uh, uh, equitable response to that and what could you expect because that's something that you need to be prepared for. As you know, uh, Scotty, with our show, we try to get people prepared and how we try to get people prepared is I don't always tell people what they should be doing because that's a, a private thing, uh, but just to give them the information so that they would make the decision and that's what you did here and I just thought that you just very, very succinctly and eloquently laid it out some things that we need to be thinking about so that we can actually have a proper re response to it or a more encompassing and broader uh, a response to it that would affect ourselves and our family. So first of all, what's your first question? Then uh, we'll uh, hear from Keith in between uh, naps. First of all, I would say for me, when I hear the, the overall uh, rallying cry for reparations and I think that it is not something um, that should just be talked about. Uh, it is something that is justifiable, and it's something that it should be adjudicated because of the moral corruptness and the moral debasement that the situations of our past in the past has put us in the standings of today. You know, if you really think about reparations, we got to look at what the word reparation really means. It's, you know, it's not a payment uh, for, for, for your labor, okay? That's your wages. Reparations is, is because to amend from a wrong, uh, a injustice, something that was done, and it's put there to, to restore to good standing. So when we think about what Scotty's question is, what would we do? And the example was, what if it was a million dollars in cash that was given to you? Would that bring restoration to good standing? Okay, the gesture now is to have it. Now, what is it that you're going to do to bring yourself back to good standing or back into good condition? Meaning, before the overall illegal act or the, uh, or the willful wrong or the injury that was done, how could you get back to that as close as possible to that overall before to repair? And so I think it's very, very important for me. And when I see, hear it about it, uh, I really think that it's not really deliberately conceptualized the way, even in the way in which you did, because it's a measure of repair. The wrong has already been omitted. The wrong has already been done. But see, the repair is the problem. 
that most people don't want to tackle that hurdle. So that when I hear that, I understand that it is in so many different ways is done for sometimes because there's no real collective movement to repair. There is no real determination to repair. It's really in my to sensationalize the wrong, but it needs to be repaired. So that's my when I when I hear it on mainstream media or or on social or in other places. But and I'm gonna answer the question: What would I do? Well, if real, I quick, real quick, real quick. Because you hit on an important point. Who's controlling the narrative? Who's asking the questions? And if we're talking about the corporate media, we're talking about their corporate bosses. We're talking about stakeholders in uh, or board members of USA Inc. You know, because they they use their money to elect their representatives. That's not our representatives. That's more their so their representatives than anybody who participated in the process of voting and calling that. Uh, your 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 representative, but you touched on, right? You know, you touch you touched on a couple of uh, key points. What what was the last thing you were just saying? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm being distracted by right. by some noise in the background on my end. It, it was the, the the point that reparation means that we need to have a discussion of, of repairing. That is when we hear about reparations. They say the, the word reparations, but they're saying it from the standpoint is reparations uh, due. Is, is or, reparations or, or reparations equals a check. Uh, no, reparations equals supposed right. to equal justice because you're repairing it, an it, injustice. It, 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 it's not supposed to mean a check or, or, or yes. whatnot. So that, that can mean a lot of things. How do you repair this lineage of people that you victimize and and still victimizes victimizing through neo slavery and uh you know uh other forms but okay getting back to right. what, to the important point is when they're controlling the narrative you know um then that paints the perception in people's minds of of I'll just accept a check or or what constitutes reparations and you know they're controlling the narrative we're not controlling the narrative that's why the move the move uh the black media movement called black talk media project and black talk radio network is very important cuz we're not controlling the narrative but other people you know uh other voices on other platforms out there putting out the truth as well but we can't allow them to control the narrative cuz that's what they do they're creating creating false uh um here we are debating with people uh, starting off of a false narrative. Right, and you know what, Scotty, and because of that, we don't, we're not able to get traction. And that traction is, is not giving us a position to repair. And that's what it really is about. Yeah, you're, and you're, you're reminding me. You're, you're reminding me. Sorry to interrupt, Dave, because I'll lose the thought. But you, you just reminded yeah. me. How come this is every 40, four years? And it's only been right. recently. Now I rem- I don't remember Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter uh being asked about reparations if they support reparations. I don't remember uh 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 George Bush and Al not uh Al Gore. Who did George Bush senior uh run against? Mike Dukakis. I don't remember uh, yeah. yeah, either yeah. of those two being asked if they support reparations. I don't remember you know, Bush uh, uh, Sr. and George, uh, Bill Clinton being asked if they support reparations. 
I don't remember Clinton and Bush Jr. That being the no, no, that was Al Gore and Bush Jr. The selection, the great selection. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and, and I, it, the reparations didn't come up until McCain and Obama. And every election cycle yeah. since, except for when Obama was running for re-election in 2012, reparations wasn't brought up with him again. Or maybe it was that was the first time, but it wasn't brought up the first time he ran. You know, it was the second time when they asked me, he said no. You know, and so it was brought up again last year. So it's only been two, um, two presidents that this has even been a question. So to me, they're controlling the buzz. They're controlling conversation. When the during the midterms, when they was trying to take over the House and the Senate, the the you know the elections every two years, senators as well as some House members, reparations wasn't wasn't nobody asking them. Do you know all of that was asked? Do are you against Trump or for Trump? That was about it. And so that's what was the blue wave, and they didn't have to make a commitment to at least in the very least, start the conversation through passing H.R. 40 and establishing the commission and task force to... So, yeah, Dave, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, but I mean, no, they're, you, man, their propaganda game is strong. Yeah, and you laid it out from the standpoint that conversation doesn't come up from, from the true position that it should be in. The overall damage we all know has already been done. So you, we don't need support for reparations. Well, and let me, I don't know. I think that, like your last statement, you said we all know, right? I, I, I take issue with that because we all don't know. You know, you're talking about who's controlling the narrative. I think that's from a, a, such a slighted point of view because they've controlled who wrote history the whole time. So we can't start with who controls the narrative. We have to start with the whole why of American history because if you, can, if you ask the average person even before this conversation gets started, your average, per, uh, your average people will say slavery wasn't that bad. You know, we had a special relationship with our slaves. Our slaves lost us. So I, I agree with you that we all know but your vast majority don't have a clue. Yeah. And the clue that they think they have, it was from them writing history for the last hundred and, what, 40 years. Yeah, and hence why they, ha they come up with the word, do you support? Right. And, and, and it's not a matter of supporting it. We already know that the, the wrong has been done. So now it should, it's a measure of, are you going to insist on repairs? from that and it's a different dynamic and that's right he, well he, he, also also now again i'm not saying i'm in opposition of any legislative moves by you know uh uh people who have a vote in the corporation of usa inc and what it's going to do what it's not not going to do but it seems to me the logical avenue to get justice would through be through the civil courts and where the U yep. where USA Inc. as at that corporation will be listed as a defendant with the American descendants of American slaves to playing of the defendants will be USA Inc. and whatever Alabama 
the corporation of Alabama because Dave aren't all these states incorporated too? You know the state, the the, the yeah. South Carolina corporation, the Texas corporation, the Florida corporates, and so on and so forth. That's the seem to yeah, be the it, logical avenue. Yeah, and it needs to be uh, also brought in, in the Haggy courts, the international courts, uh, as as well because. It was over international waters that the the injustice and the harm was done. So it was also on, on the global scale uh, that 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 needs to be adjudicated. So I totally totally agree. But I wanted to get to what your question was: if reparations was given to you in the form of a check or in form of cash of one million dollars, what would what would I do with that? And that was the question. I thought that was a great great question. And I say that because. My standpoint was that understanding what currency is, I would immediately move that currency to try to put myself back in good condition, Scotty, Pastor Keith, and everyone that's listening. And what I mean by that is that, and Scotty talked about the taxes that would be assessed on that. Well, the thing is that one of the things that's very, very important for us to do is that we have to put ourselves, see, taxation, when you... It is illegal to evade taxes, okay? So tax evasion is illegal, but tax avoidance is not illegal. It's actually in the IRS uh, standings and in their code that avoidance is perfectly fine. So we should understand how to move into avoidance of taxation, okay? And so that's one of the definitely things that uh, I would be doing with the, with the millions. Uh, well, well, with the million, there was a couple of other things, but Keith wanted to chime in as well. He he woke up. Go ahead, Keith. In between yeah, that. Also, I think there's what's important is when you start talking about repair, we're we're looking at basically a lawsuit because a lawsuit, in order to prove to get a lawsuit, you have to show that you suffered damage. Pawns. Exactly. Yeah, right. Well, lawsuits are immune to taxes. Mm -hmm. So if we were to get this, in all actuality, there should be by way of lawsuit law. only, right? If, if, if right, because you're absolutely right. If we did it from the stand, like Scott, he was saying, this should be a civil lawsuit. Exactly. And then in that civil lawsuits, that means that you're immune from taxes, taxation, right? So it's a form of tax avoidance. And now, what will we do? What 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 will we do with this million? For one, for me. I would immediately move that overall cash into money, a form of money. Well, As you well, already Dave, know, Dave, Scotty, I, I'm sorry. Just, I don't mean to, to interrupt your thought process, but we had to start, though, what you talk about every day on Tando Radio Show. Okay, I think first things first is, if this $1 million is coming from a pot of, let's just say, $30, $30 trillion, okay, however, yeah. however much. If the Federal Reserve, knowing how it works, how currency, U.S. currency works, uh, what's called U.S. currency, but Federal Reserve notes, um, knowing how that works, if they, let's say they injected $30 trillion into the, to the financial system, this is a global system, okay, and, yeah. you know, not just right. here nationally, would, how would that impact the value of the dollar? How would it impact that purchasing power? Because, you know, a million dollars, um, if it knocks down the markets, the stock markets that's based on the U.S. dollar, if it knocks off 
of its value, then you know you 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 starting at even less than a million just because the Federal Reserve flooded the the. Can you talk from that point and then move into yep. whatever's left over? How are we gonna tax avoidance and and then how do we convert? How do we leverage currency for as you say on your show, real money? Yeah, you know what, Scotty, is an important part, and let uh, Keith jump in as well. You know what what would happen is, could I see that that ever happen? Because see, a Federal Reserve note is not money; it's a note, it's a promissory note, and a promissory note. What that basically means is, is it's a debt instrument. So what that would actually happen is that the the U.S. would incur even more debt. Um, and that the overall currency that it would be given, and believe me, if they're going to digitally do it by putting it into people's digital bank accounts, because that's what your bank account really is, is, is cryptocurrency, is a digital, or, or, or send you a check that you can actually get cash back into, they would do that from a measure of debt. They w- See, debt has a life cycle. They won't do it from debt being at its at its uh, uh, leverage of where it has more leverage and, and or purchasing power, they would wait until like right about now when the U.S. debt is around 22 trillion, 25 or 30 trillion. So what they're basically giving you is they're giving giving you something through inflation has even less purchasing power because of inflation. Because you have to look at with that one million dollars. You have to first look at where's the overall inflation rate. Where's the inflation monster right now? Through CPI, uh, consumer price index, and you got to look at what real uh, inflation is affecting the everyday household because there's two different metrics there. The CPI is a lie. The actual how inflation uh, is actually affecting people and their laboring and affecting their quality of life and standard of living, and more importantly, their purchasing power, is the real measure of inflation. So now that basically means is that they may be giving you a million pieces of paper, but it only can, has the purchasing power of a 1,000 pieces of paper or 100 uh, pieces of paper or $100 or $1,000. So it's very, very very, very important that we understand the difference between currency and money and how currency works because the velocity of currency is very, very, they call it the velocity of money, but it's not money. They're talking about currency. The velocity of currency is very, very important because it adversely affects you and I because it is a promissory note. It's not a collateral asset. It has no intrinsic value. You have to exchange it for intrinsic value. And most of us don't, we haven't been taught what things of value are. So we actually move into consumerism, and that actually puts us in a position where we actually are are harmed even more. It's not repairing anything. It's making it worse for us in so many, so many ways. So it will affect the, the market definitely. And the market that it will affect probably the worst is that the overall inflation, inflation, believe me, this would be done when inflation is at its highest. It's basically like this. You've seen where in other countries when they went through hyperinflation, such in Venezuela. Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. Right, and in Zimbabwe. 
you would see where people are carrying around barrels and barrels and barrels of cash or, or, or a barrel of cash, a wheelbarrow of cash to buy a onion, to buy a orange. Well, do you think that person wants a million dollars in cash? No, because that million dollars in cash is equal to what? What it can be able to acquire. What, what, is that, what are you able to exchange that million dollars for? And so that's very, very, and that's what Scotty is talking about, and that's the conversation that's really had. That's why the conversation of reparations can never be about something that's going to harm you even further because you're going to need reparations from that. Because reparation means <laughs> to repair. Cash can't repair this. Say so you're going to need reparations for the reparations. <laughs> oh, man, Dave. Y'all be crack, cracking me up, man. But that's so true. Listen, we're going to take an er, a early break. But one key point that you touched on is consumerism. Consumerism. Um, so what is that? That's something that is a way of thinking um, that I have to have. And, you know, it's not so much as what you need, but you've been watching, you went to the movies, and before the uh, main feature came on, you saw these ads for the latest Jordans or or whatever physical thing, a talking television that talked back to you, a washer, dryer, you know, uh, uh, consumerism, teaching you to buy, 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 because that's what this capitalist system that they practice here in uh behind the enemy lines of USA Inc., you know, advertisers spend billions of years researching how to best sell you something with the right music jingle, with the right visuals, the right actors, and and you know, they spend a lot of money think tanking how they're gonna turn you into a consumer. So you get your million dollar check, then after taxes, if you didn't didn't do the had a financial literacy to do tax avoidance. Whatever it's worth, let's just pretend that it's not going to be inflation. It's not going to be an issue, although we know it is. But let's just take that out. But I got a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? What's the first thing some people might buy? Instead of buying, uh, uh, excuse me, instead of controlling some land with a home on it, like a brick home, something that, that you know, uh, does have, have some value if the housing market don't collapse. So, so you have to even be careful careful there but what would you do well you've been watching BET I don't know that little guy's name uh, who's about three feet tall I think he's from the Dominic Republican his, might, his name might be P.O. Um, but on YouTube I've seen some of them clips where he went to an ice cream shop wherever it was and they had gold flakes day for the ice cream and this is edible gold but it was made with real gold and i was like man i remember dave was saying you can eat gold here that here rich wealthy people are buying a, a gold sprinkled ice cream sundaes for thousands of dollars and they eating it you know somebody saw that on on youtube or something hey i'm going up there i'm gonna book a trip up there so i can go eat some gold and take some selfies and post it to my social gram or you know he went to a custom car maker where where you know cost a lot of money man for these cars and i'm that's the first thing i'm going to buy that's something that's going to lose value as soon as i drive it or out that man's garage you know what i'm saying so that's what consumerism is teaching the masses through music, through television, just all this, 
all this media, magazines, all that. And would you agree with that before we go to break? We got about four minutes to break. Man, yes, yes, Scotty. I definitely would definitely, definitely agree with that because then I'm going to turn it over to Keith real quick. There's a difference between an investment and acquiring something that an asset that has intrinsic value. There's a big difference because a Rolex watch is, is, can be an investment, but its asset is based off only what it can do, okay? A farmland can be an investment that is an asset because what that land can do, what's more valuable when that, that land is able to produce you substance because things with intrinsic value sustain your life. The best way to put it is that things with intrinsic value is what God made. Things that are investments is what man makes. Man can't make an asset. They can only establish an investment that's based off of speculation. Very, very, very important. So, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Chief, you wanted to chime in? You know, and, and, and again, these, these conversations get to be so multifaceted. And the reason why I say that is because, and I know people say all the time, you're always making excuses. But they're not really excuses. Now, this started off with we're talking about reparations. We're talking about uh, uh, a payback for people that were slaves. So we're talking about black people here. And we're broken in so many ways. And don't get me wrong, we didn't break ourselves. But, you know, when you start looking at we're living in a, in a society now that's overflowed with them, Because cash isn't anything that God made. Man made it. It can only serve man. What God makes is an asset that has intrinsic value that sustains life infinitely. Very, very important. So we're getting ready to go to a commercial break. I, I, I just wanted to let Keith chime in. Um, so, Scotty, we'll, we're ready for the break. And whenever you're ready, come back and let's continue in what we need to do. All right. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Dave. And of course, uh, Keith can chime back in. You know, we go on the other side. However long y'all can stay with us, we are, we appreciate it. We have reached the hour mark. So, but if y'all have any questions or comments, get them in 704-802-5056 is the call in number. We'll be back on the other side to continue our conversation. And now we're going to focus on the other side more on However much we got left, whether it's 600000 after taxes or inflation, whatever, knocked it down 
to $600,000, ate up 40% of that million-dollar check. Dave, anybody else out there listening, Keith, what, what, yep. how would you leverage, on the other side, tell us, how would you leverage that 600000 left from from that $1 million check from USAE. Everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Talk Radio, your choice for digital black radio, new black media for the new millennium. All right, Dave, so I have narrowed down that $1 million check because we got to make assumptions and, you know, is it tax free? Will it be taxed? So we're just going to assume it's going to be taxed because we know the tax man got to get his right. And, and we would, we didn't have anybody at the table negotiating uh, honestly, for us to get the best deal for this check for the descendants of American slaves, not black people, Keith. We ain't talking about black people because white people consider all of us black people, no matter what your nationality is. You know what I'm saying? And and if this wasn't a family show, I would say the N word straight up, straight out. That we're we're N words to them all. So, but we're talking specifically. Uh, um, um, justice for the descendants of American slaves. So we're down to 600,000 uh, uh, American dollars or Federal Reserve notes. What, what do we do with that to leverage it so that we don't lose? Because if we hold on to it, inflation going to eat it till it's gone. What's next? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Scotty, and I'll, man, great. I mean, that's a, just a good, good question because everyone is different. I, I will just say speak for me personally, and I would just want to go back to, okay, the $1 million. The most important, one of the most important things that you want to, to me, the most important thing that I would want to do is that I don't want to pay that $400,000 in taxation, okay? So I would make sure that I'm structured in a way, and everyone should look at that, to have tax avoidance, not tax invasion, but tax avoidance where that $400,000 stays under, under your control so that you can leverage. That's number one to me because that's a significant amount. That's 40% right then and there. And so from there, from with the rest of that, first thing that I want to do is, as you said, one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to save cash. Never, I never want to, for me personally, I never want to save cash. Because cash isn't a vehicle that you can save. It doesn't matter how tight you hold on to cash, it's, you're losing it. You're losing its purchase. I'm not going to put it in a safe. I'm not going to put it in a bank account or a safety deposit box. I'm not going to put it in a warehouse and a bunch of boxes because you're losing it. You're losing it. It may not, you may physically have it, but it won't be able to, it won't be able to have the overall medium of exchange rate that you would have if you got rid of it as soon as you got it. Because that's one thing that wealthy individuals do. They don't save in cash. They move it and leverage it into things that do not depreciate and is not subject to inflation. There's a lot of different things that that is. And so one next thing that I would do is that I would move it into real money, in different forms of real money, in different forms of investments. I would move it into investments. 
a painting on the wall, an art painting on the wall is not money. It's an investment. You, you may want to keep a certain portion of that for that. But first and foremost, I would move into real money. And what is real money? Look at everything that God has made. That's what you want to use that overall currency or that Federal Reserve note to acquire control over. Not ownership, but control over it. So you actually, I would do that. And that would probably take about, for me, about 85 to 90% of that overall holdings to do that. Why would I do that? Because now by having those, those assets, you can actually use that to have where it will generate you even more cash, that you get more assets, and then that's where you use cash for what you should be using it for, your standard of living and quality of life. And another thing that I think is important, one of the things that I've learned is that the key to being a millionaire is not to live like one. So with that overall cash, I wouldn't use to say now that I have a million dollars, I'm a millionaire. No, I don't think that that's the best thing, uh, asset, that, I mean, the best approach that you should take. Because if you have a million dollars and you live like a millionaire, that means you're broke now because you, 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 you've overextended the million dollars. So you live below your mean, and you do have investments. So now we're down to 90 to 10%. I would have 5% in an, in, in an investment. And what do I mean by investments? I would have it into speculative investments that retain its overall purchasing price such as art, such as certain uh, speculative items. And you would, you would have to identify those things. And I'll give, you, I'll give you a case in point. There's a time and place for everything, even for, like, acquiring certain uh, watches. There are certain watches that you can buy for, let's say, 10, 20, and, you, and I'm not giving advice here. I'm just saying what I would do. I would even move into having some watches that have retained its overall value over years because basically you'll have that over. And what you do is that by getting that, is that overall watch is freezing the purchasing power of the dollars that you're using at that particular time. Like you put meat in a refrigerator. You put it in a refrigerator to preserve its freshness. So there are certain things and investments that you can do. They're not an asset because they're not made by God. But you move a certain part of that investment into that so that at any time if you had an emergency, an economic emergency, you would be able to unload that and use that for whatever the emergency is and not lose it like you would if you just held it inside of a safe, the cash in the safe or in the bank. Okay? So now, what would I have left after that? About 2 or 3%. What would I do with that 2 or 3%? I would still maintain my quality of life and standard of living from the already assets and investments that I already have. So that part is already taken care of. So what would I do with the other 2%? Now, would I have it in cash? I would only keep in cash in an institution what I'm willing for them to steal. I would only keep in cash enough to cover the bills that I need to cover, and that's it. I would not have one penny more in the institutions that because they're not paying you any interest. They're not paying you anything on that. 
you're not getting anything out of that. So being charged a lot of fees in some cases too. Yeah, we're in zero percent interest. They're charging you for that. Now, do you need to have banking relations? Sure, to be able to conduct business. But the old saying that you want to save cash, you can't save. You one of the things also you want to do is get out of debt. Okay. Now, getting out of debt is not just paying your bills. It's not just paying the debts that you owe. The most important factor of debt is this: you can't hold a debt instrument because the Federal Reserve knows legal tender for all debts, public and private. So by you holding it, you're in the worst form of debt. One of the first things you want to do is you want to get out of the overall cash itself. As much as you, this is why you see countries buying gold and buying uh, tangible assets hand over foot. This is why they're fighting for Venezuela because oil is a form of money. So, because it brings energy, and that's what you should be really focusing on. And war gives so energy to or value to the Federal Reserve notes they borrowing. That's very and, important. And, and, that's and, why the Gulf War was started with Saddam. That's why they destroyed Gaddafi in Libya because they were going to change currencies and not use the what became termed as the American petrodollar to do oil transactions, which will what? Devalue the currency. But I hear you, Dave, you want to get out of the American dollar. You only want to have so much you need. Actually, what you're talking about is not even cash in a safe. You're talking about digital zeros in a bank account to cover your expenditures, your monthly expenditures for the transactions you have to do because of the system and the way it's set up and, and if you want to move in those in those circles. But let me ask a question, though. See, uh, I pay attention to uh, prison stocks because I'm trying to kill prison industry. Um, you know, those private companies like the GEO Group, George mm-hmm. Soli Run and whatnot. And what would you, what kind of, would this, you mentioned speculative uh, investments and what have you. You know, um, I had gotten an article to my email because I got Google alerts out for specific keywords concerning their stock in the uh, private prison industry. And somebody uh, uh, might have have um, gave some advice about shorting private prison stocks. And what are, what are, what uh, you probably understand what it means when you're sh- uh, uh, shorting, but maybe the public audience mm-hmm. doesn't. That's when you're betting that a stock is going to lose money. There it is. That's when you're betting. It's it's just like going to Las Vegas in a casino. Um, you're betting that this stock is going to fail. Well, what could cause that? Well, if you pay attention to the people activity area politics, the uh, their price or valuation of their stock went up because Donald Trump uh, um, was making it clear that he was going to lock up a whole bunch of quote-unquote illegals and private contract that out to core corrections of, of America uh, or core civic, to the GEO group. You know? And then, you know, uh, uh, so now if, let's say, for example, let's say someone who has, introduce legislation to abolish private prisons. That's certainly going, that that means the end of that that industry, that company. Okay, no more private prisons. So, you know, your stock is zero. So, so let's say Bernie Sanders, who who gets the Democratic uh, nomination, 
and that's you know part of one of his planks. Again, he's introduced legislation, has been co-sponsors and support for that. What would that do to George Zoli's company? What would that do to Geo Group? What would they? Do? So you are betting. Let's just say six months out from the election, you're betting that the Geo Group stock is going to lose uh, because. Bernie Sanders has a good chance of win, winning. And so uh, uh, you can make money off of them losing money. Did I describe shorting correctly, yeah. Dave? Yeah, it, it, definitely, Scotty. And What would you call that, though? Is that an investment thing. or what? what, what no. Um, and and what, you, what, you, what you describe is so important because what you said was betting. Now, when you go into shorting, going long, something or shorting something, what you're doing is you're gambling. And so for me in my portfolio, there's a percentage for gambling. And that is like 0.0001. I do that for entertainment, right? Um, and it's not a financial strategy. Whenever you go into the stock market, I believe in investment and relationships. My investments would, would actually not be in the, the overall casino, the corporate casino known as the financial markets. I wouldn't in touch that with anything else because it's manipulated. Everything, you know, when you think about going to Vegas, the house never, how do you think the market got to be so big? It got to be so big not because of what it paid out from people, but what it stole from everybody through their fraudulent contract. So I would not, it's the same thing with, with uh, casinos. Why do you think Vegas is so big casino-wise? Because it's profitable. Okay, so I, me personally, I, I wouldn't do that. I, if you want to be entertained, then, then that's one thing, but that would be a measure of what that would be. I would definitely have investments. I would have relationships investments. Have relationships, first and foremost, before you take care of the casino, before you take care of the White House, you shouldn't even be concerned about the casino and the White House. You've got to take care of your house. You've got to take care of your house. So have investments in relationships with people, that is something that is very, very profitable that you can do and meaningful. It can, it, it can really, because you are establishing relationships that are very, very valuable because that value is intrinsic. Now you're investing in money. Well, Dave, your, uh, your, issue, so, me, that's what I would do. An uh, issue that came up on our show the other night, though, was... Uh, financial literacy so the big news is announced it's going to be on every news outlet one million dollar check to go to heads of households of of uh, american slave families and so then guess who else gonna come out who's gonna come out the woodwork the scam artists the shysters yeah. out there to try to get you to pay pay thousands of dollars to take their course on gambling and, and, you know, on Wall Street, the Las Vegas of, yep. of the financial industry. So it's going to be oh, so many quick, quick, rich schemes out there. And, you know, people, because of financial literacy, a lack of it, um, which is on part of the schools as well. Uh, some people don't even know how to write a check, let alone open up a checking account. So, People going to fall victim, you know, the quick uh, yeah. get rich schemes. Yeah, and, and it's it, it will bring about such a dynamic change in, in, in for so many different people. And the, remember, reparations is to repair to back to good condition. 
And so who is that, who is that really upon? That really would be upon us as individuals to restore ourselves back to good condition. And that means that we would need to be, let me tell you, I, I firmly believe, who should you trust? Not your financial advisor. You should be abreast on finances because who is it going to affect? You. You should, we should be in control of all of our monetary policies of our own houses. Very, very important. We shouldn't be watching the Federal Reserve make decisions on monetary policies. There should be a monetary policy that you and your family should have. And it should be based on establishing prosperity and generational wealth. It should be going beyond you. You should actually be seeding forward. Dave, that yep. uh, all sounds fine and dandy. And I agree with you 100%. But how do you bring that about? And what I mean, again, I hate to go back to the fact that we are a broken people. We, 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 if you look at, and various studies have shown that if you take and you compare uh, a black male, mm -hmm. American, to uh, uh, a white male, mm -hmm. same income, same education, all the way down the line, you'll see that that white male is usually worth quite a bit more than that black male. Mm -hmm. The reason being because he grew up with that stuff. Mm -hmm. We have not. Mm -hmm. So I agree with what you're saying, yeah. but realistically, how will we get there? I tell you how we get there, Keith. You listen to shows like Black Talk Radio Network, BTR News. You listen to Black Talk Radio Network. You listen to Tando Radio Show. You engross yourself in what's important. You put energy behind finding out what is the truth and how things really do work instead of just hiring somebody to do it for you. So we have to break that mentality. No one can do this for can do it for you. You have to have a plan yourself and execute it because every single – as you know, Keith, in our, in our show, the Tando Radio Show, I never try to give specifics about what each person should be doing. I do generalization because every single person is unique. Every situation is unique. So we have to uniquely take control of our overall financial literacy. We can't allow someone – to school us in finances. We have to and we should be learning from what's the truth and how it really does work. And, and in your example, probably one of the reasons why that overall dynamic of the wealth gap continues is because of this. It really isn't about how much you get to own. It really has always been about how much you choose to control. And so that dynamic, our dynamics of our thought process has to change because wealth is never determined by how much cash you have. It's always determined. That's wealth. Wealth is always determined by how much resources and how much assets you control. So we have to change that. That's how we do it. If we come prodigious savers in real money, that overall wealth gap would change immediately. It would change immediately. And not only that, you would change your overall process of everyday living. You know, um, I have an auditor that travels with me all the time and look at me funny if I get into consumerism. So I make sure that I stay, uh, you know, you got to do whatever it is that you need to do to, to, to make sure it's right because we have to get into value sake. 
not our emotions, but into value's sake. Is this valuable? And sometimes it may take you a little while to make that determination. You know, so that's how we, we do it, Keith, in, in my opinion. So great, great point. Okay. Um, well, Dave, I want to thank you for coming on tonight, you and Keith, for uh, – <laughs> I know how you like to joke with Keith. How old is Keith really? You know, you be making him sound, sound like he, uh, like he Methuselah or something. And he, <laughs> 103, Scotty. Scotty, October the 18th, 1970, you can do the math. So that means I'm older than Keith. <laughs> Keith, he be riding you hard on Tando. <laughs> like, he be like, Keith woke up. <laughs> was over there asleep. But listen, guys, I want to appreciate I don't want to keep y'all, you know, I don't want to keep T, uh, Keith up too late. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so do y'all have I'm any gonna final thoughts? I'm going to send you a picture, Scotty, so, so you can see. Hey, can y'all give any final thoughts on, you know, just the central question is, if you got your million-dollar check, what would you do with it? Any final thoughts on Keith, that? Keith, you want to go for me? You know what? And uh, and I'll make a confession. I am I am not good with money. I'm I'm much better in thought than I am in practice. I think what I would do is, with money or with cash. You you pretty good with money. With uh, cash, I'm gonna I'm not gonna differentiate that. Okay, okay. But I I think I do what what Dave would said to me. It would be a, a, a race against time, and I feel as though that the doc uh, the doctor is. The dollar is soon to collapse. So the main thing I would do is try to get out of dollars, get as many assets that I could possibly can, and I would protect that um, as much as I could, I think, from the American institutions. Because I, 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 I dread the fact that I think when the dollar collapses, it's not only our neighbors that we need to worry about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the whole thing. And I think in final thought, I would say, Scotty, I appreciate, love you, brother, the, the platform. We need this. Everyone, please support. Uh, Pastor Keith will be sending his, his donation, um, and, and then we'll, we'll send more. We need to, to support this network. And I say in final thoughts for me, the most important thing uh, that I would take away from, from the whole thing is what the questions. What would you do? We have to start doing more. We have to start acting more. We have to take on the responsibility ourselves. We can't take that responsibility and, and have a blind faith and give it to someone else. We're responsible for our actions, which means that we have to be responsible for our future, meaning that we have to educate ourselves. Seek an education, not schooling, because the schools are teaching you to act just the way that we are now. But education of the truth has actually shows you the lessons is already there. You shouldn't do that. You should be doing this. And so we have to become prodigious savers of real assets that have intrinsical value, not holding on to cash. So that would be my final thoughts. Brother Scotty, thank you. Love you so much, man. And we'll, we'll see you on, on Monday, great creator willing, uh, on Tando Radio Show. Great, great show, Scotty. Love the way you do it. Thank you. No doubt, no doubt. Again, that's Tando Radio Show, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you, you check them out. The telephone number's the same. 
Um, it's like clockwork. Uh, that's what, 704-802-5056, um, My final thoughts, I need to answer the question, what would I do with my million-dollar check? Assuming the mailman didn't put it in the wrong box. <laughs> Shout out to Prince and Pop Life. That's where that line comes from. So anyway, um, I would basically follow the uh, um, recommendations or, or the observations or what Dave said he would do. Understanding what real assets are, what real money is. Um, but cash is an asset when, you know, you just use it for what is what you use it for. And but I would hope, though, that uh, if I got that check, that one million dollar check, I would do my tax avoidance as what was uh, recommended by what one of those ways is to uh, take some of that million dollar check. Uh, at least 10% and invest it in Black Talk Media Project, which is a nonprofit. Um, okay, so that's just one of the things that I would do because I kind of feel like Black Talk Radio Network um, is doing God's work, you know, or it's God directed. Um, but definitely, you know, um, this is, we just need that financial literacy. So I'm gonna close it out. Um, let me see. Um, I don't. I won't be doing more live broadcasting, but I definitely will be posting some podcasts. I'm behind. Uh, been setting them up on btrcommunity.com. Just added a new member today. Um, well, a couple of new members over the past uh, few days. So we got 100 and about 90, I'm estimating, uh, members who are subscribers or who are trying to help us preserve the future of this institution, Black Talk Media Project, and uh, by default, Black Talk Radio Network by reaching 1,000 subscribers. And I'm just going to use symbology um, because of how it's tied to uh, descendants of American slaves, history, and cultural events, Juneteenth. So uh, the end of Juneteenth, uh, I hope that we reach 1,000 subscribers or more. Um, we'd love to see 5,000 subscribers at $24 a year. If somebody said to me, hey, Bernie Sanders is raising millions of dollars in 48 hours, you know, of, of just donations of $27 each. These are individuals. These aren't super PACs or any average donation of $27. Okay. So we, we're not even asking as much as um, um, of an investment in Black Talk and uh, Black Thought on this network through our nonprofit. We're, we're asking $24 a year. So, I mean, wow, just think of what we could build if we was getting Bernie Sanders-type donations. Not not from a big amounts from a few people, but the many, the people, the people, $24 a year. So uh, at, at, for that, you get the benefit of a, a more secure social media network. We're not selling your information, not uh, flooding you with ads, just whatever the members are, are posting. Also, you become a media producer content creator on blacktalkradionetwork.com so you, there's there's benefits to that membership of investing in the future of controlling uh, our narrative with that said peace and blessings um, recognize the fact that you live behind the enemy lines of USA Inc they still practicing legalized slavery via the 13th amendment and we need uh, justice for that 
and um, stay safe. Peace and blessings to all. Scott's still.